Have you heard of Anchor? It's free and it's so easy. If I can figure it out, pretty much anyone can. Create your own podcast from your phone or any device and they will distribute it across Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other platforms on your behalf without you having to do a thing. You can also make money without any minimum listenership or any required audience. Anchor is super easy to use, and all you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm. Start your own podcast today. You're listening to Your Highness Podcast with Diana Crash, founder of Good Vibes Marketing. Good Vibes Marketing provides organic content and marketing solutions to the cannabis space. And this is Leah, co-founder of BakeSmart. Our can of cows are the first edible safety designs for cannabis-infused foods. Anyone from your child to your grandmother will understand when a food is medicated as long as it's marked with our edible green crosses. So, how are you, Leah? I am doing good. I am... I am doing so well, and I'm excited because I uh, went to an event on Wednesday night at one of my favorite edible companies, Lori and Mary Jane here in Oregon, mm-hmm. and Lori Wolf is has been in the business, I think, since, I don't know, for a few years, and she's a really great, accomplished chef, and she and her daughter-in-law, I don't even know how they work together because I could not work with my mother-in-law, but <laughs> they do it. They are so wonderful together. They're great women. And what I want to promote as my favorite product is their cookbooks. Mm-hmm. So if you go to Amazon, you can just search Lori Wolf um, because Lori's got, I think, three or four cookbooks, and uh, there's a couple of them with her daughter-in-law, Mary um, and the first one is the medical marijuana dispensary, understanding, medicating, and cooking with cannabis. This is seriously your Bible for edibles. It has everything you'll need to properly dose. Um, it gives you percentage for all the common strains, which you have to have if you want to get, um, if you want to be able to calculate the proper milligrams. Mm-hmm. And she's got beautiful pictures in it. Um, they put everything together so nicely and their recipes are amazing. I will say this, Lori and Mary Jane make the most incredible edibles you'll ever taste. They have this truffle thing that's chocolate and you literally take a bite and you feel like you could die and you have eaten the best thing you'll ever taste. Mm-hmm. I, it is, I, I ate like 20 of those when I was at the event. I, I'm sure they thought I was going to go into diabetic seizure because I ate so much sugar. It was so good. So anyway, these cookbooks, so there's She's got the medical marijuana dispensary cookbook and another one that they have is marijuana edibles. And then the third one that I would recommend you get is cooking with cannabis. And it's more like a savory cookbook, mm-hmm. um, whereas the first one is more the medical marijuana dispensary. You can get all of these cookbooks on Amazon. And so I encourage everybody, if you are into making edibles um, like I am, then definitely get at least one, if not all of Lori and Mary Jane's books, because they're really informative. Like I said, the dispensary, um, marijuana medical or the medical marijuana dispensary is a Bible truly. So that is my plug. I love those women. They're doing amazing work. If you're ever in Oregon, please support them because they're edible. Well, you'll want to support them. Their edibles are out of this world. Good. Awesome. I wish I could try them. <laughs> oh my God. They're so But amazing. I need to get that cookbook. I can't wait till you visit. Right? Oh man. Yeah. Oh no, definitely. Well, maybe for a push uh, present, I'll get you the cookbook. <laughs> uh, um, so my favorite thing has been an obsession for some time. Um, and we're going to have her on the podcast in the near future, which I'm super excited about. Um, so the product line is called Meowcomy. Meow as in like a cat meowing. <laughs> And it combines that two of, cute. yeah, it combines two of my favorite things, cats and wellness products. <laughs> and um, first of all, let me just say you should check out her Instagram because it's incredible. Um, it's meow, spelled meow, um, underscore C H E M Y. 
and she has these incredible products that i mean they're just so innovative um she makes perfume roll-ons with uh cannabis infused roll-ons but i think that they're all cbd basically so that they can ship anywhere um she makes powdered masks, aromatherapy, exhale, inhalers. She has these little inhalers that you can use for different conditions. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And she has a bidet spray, which I'm wondering, can you use that during delivery? Because <laughs> I need all the help I'm going to get. I, I mean, I need all the help I, I can get. I bet you could, right? <laughs> I mean, well, they say it doesn't go into your bloodstream. I don't know if I believe that because I feel a little high with topicals, but um. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of products out there for that that push. Yeah, and I don't think that hers. Maybe look into yeah, that. I don't think hers has any THC in it. Actually, no, it doesn't. So then you then we should definitely get that for yeah, you. I think I need it. Um, and I just love everything that she she. I mean, all her products they get they sell out pretty quickly. Um, so definitely check her out. I can imagine. Yeah. Um, and and it seems like she's always coming up with something new. So anyway. So today we're going to talk about the importance of CBD. Um, there is so much to talk about with CBD, but today we're just going to basically go over some things that you should uh, keep in mind if you're just going to go the CBD route, because a lot of people, they that's how they want to start getting into this industry. Well, it's the best way to start. As long as you can get um, good CBD, yeah, it's a great way to start. Absolutely. But where? Do, where? But but speaking of starting, where do you start? Right. So Diana, where do you start? <laughs> um, so the first tip we ha we have today is to use resources like Project CBD for education and guidance. And Project CBD is such an excellent uh, resource, in my opinion. They have. Um, recommendations for products they have you know events and talks they have um a lot of education basically just for someone who doesn't know any better who's trying to get into um using cbd and also another um source is cbdoilreview.org uh they have a list of 10 cbd facts you need to know and a couple of them just to highlight some of them um is that one is that it helps children with seizures um it benefits the mind and cbd from hemp is legal which is a very big deal so yeah it's a, that's a huge deal mm -hmm. um I mean, it's it's really easily accessible. You just want to make sure that you're getting a good source, and we'll talk about that in our one of our other tips. But, but definitely, and then no prescription needed. That's huge. Mm -hmm. Anybody can get your CBD. But before you start prescribing CBD for yourself, there are some uh, cautions that you need to consider. So CBD, and there's more about this on um, the project CBD, but the CBD has does interact negatively with certain drugs and mm -hmm. we're not going to go over the drugs that it does, but you have to be really careful because it is a liver inhibitor. So you need to talk to your doctor about it, or at least go on to something like project CBD, reach out to them and get some guidance on how to use it. If you are taking other uh, prescriptions like NSAIDs, I think that they uh, respond negative to negatively to them. So just make sure that you're before you start any therapy with cannabis, be it THC or CBD, that you always do your research and talk to some experts about it before you dive in. Right. I mean, most doctors are going to be skeptical, you know, most mainstream doctors. Definitely. So take that with a grain of salt, uh, I always say, because I've I've met with nothing but resistance from my doctors. So um Yeah. yeah. You're in you're in a state where you're gonna do that. And that and that's the sad thing too. And a lot of people, if their doctors say, Oh no, C B D it's either it's either, you know, fake, it doesn't work, or it's dangerous. Don't even listen to them. You know, right. do your own research, empower yourself. And, and, oh. and this is a great way to do it through the CBD project. Yeah. We should probably tell people how to get to that. Um, <laughs> projectcbd.org yeah. is, is where you find that. Um, and we'll, we'll include links in, in our wrap up as well. So, and another one, I just want to make a, a quick plug for the CBD school. Um, he's got a lot of great information, a lot of great articles, blogs, videos. Um, so that's another one too. And then to get the 10 CBD facts that you need to know, that's at cbdoilreview.org. Did you say that? 
I thought I did, but I may not have. <laughs> okay, so there once again mm-hmm. CBD review or oil. Bleh, see, I'm messing it up now. CBDoilreview.org to get the ten CBD packs you need mm-hmm. to. Know. And there's a ton out there, you know. Obviously, just 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 make sure you really yeah. review everything and and do your research, um, which we always say to do no matter what. But definitely, those are some good starters. Right, and then speaking of finding quality CBD. Look, this is our second tip for today, and that's look for product lines that share lab results and provide clear labels. And that's really important. I know in Oregon, that's what we, um, there's a lot of companies here that do that. Luminous Mm -hmm. Botanicals, and that's luminousbotanicals.com. They've got some really great uh, CBD products and THC products, but their test results are on their website. Most reputable companies will have their test results on their website. Now, not that that is a tell-all, but you want to make sure the test, the testing results are mm-hmm. on the bottle. And that, um, I mean, for me personally, I wouldn't recommend CBD outside of Oregon just because I know that our testing is really strict and we've had to perfect it over these few years of legalization. So I highly recommend finding CBD products out of Oregon. Right. I mean, every state is different, obviously. So um, <laughs> the, the bottom line is you want to make sure people right. are being open and, and honest about their products. Um, they shouldn't have an issue if you ask them, where is this coming from? Or how do you know that there's no pesticides right. in this or whatever? They they shouldn't balk at that. They should bulk. That's not the word I was looking for. <laughs> they shouldn't push back if you're asking them the quality about the quality of their product, period. Well, and where are they sourcing it from? You do not want CBD that's been um, sourced from China. Mm -hmm. That is not good. And that's why it's really important to do some research about the companies that you're going to support. Um, Also, you know, states that are just coming on board with CBD, Mm -hmm. um, their testing is going to be a little more lax than states like Colorado and Oregon and Washington and, you know, California is still coming on board, but the states that have been legal for a couple of years, they're definitely going to have better testing. Absolutely. So just do your research and, and find out where the CBD is being sourced from. Because also you could say, okay, well, I'm getting a company in Colorado. I have found a really good CBD product from there, but they could be outsourcing their, or, you know, outsourcing their CBD from out of the country. Uh, so you just want to make sure you know where that CBD is coming from. Mm-hmm. It's really important. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, And our third tip is to, uh, now CBD is a great way to avoid psychoactive effects because a lot of people don't want that. Um, You know, I mean, they, that's one of the reasons why they don't want to experiment with cannabis in any kind of a way because they have a low tolerance or they've had a bad experience and that's very understandable. <laughs> um, and while CBD can be the safer option, you should still proceed with caution. And uh, you, you have right. a little motto that you use for Bake Smart, right? Yeah. Um, start low and go slow. So for CBD, I mean, I take it's it just like THC, everybody's going to be mm-hmm. different. But when I first started using CBD, I took five milligrams, five milligrams is a nice low dosage. Mm -hmm. And then you can move up from there. And, and the thing is you have to wait an hour, just like an edible, you know, if you're going to take it in a tincture, if you're going to smoke it, it's going to hit you right Mm -hmm. away. But if you take it in an edible or tincture, and that's, that's where, of course I go right away first is the oil or the the edible, but if you're going to smoke it, it's going to hit you right away. And so then you'll know, you know, what is your, what is your dose? One thing I love about this though, is that it's a great way to avoid the psychoactive effects. We've talked about what a low tolerance I have to THC. My my tolerance is so low. Like even five milligrams, I can get so high on THC. The great thing about CBD is, is that if I'm really, really high and then I take CBD to counteract it. So if I took five milligrams of THC, I usually take at least 10 to 15 milligrams of CBD. And then it's it's not that I'm not high necessarily anymore, but it completely negates some of those um, negative effects like the paranoia or the obsession or the, you know, beating myself up type of thing. It kind of makes it a lot more doable. And then it's more like, hey, I maybe had one glass of wine too much. And so it it really does help combat that psychoactive um, 
intensity of THC. So if you find yourself way too high, then get yourself some CBD because it will save your life. It will it will save you from thinking you're dying to going, oh, well, this is good. I'm a little bit high, mm-hmm. but that's okay. Absolutely. Um, I think the, the one-to-one ratio seems to work really well for a lot of people, it seems. Um, oh, yeah. It's a great, it's a great combo. And even like, you know, you do the four to one, a four part CBD to one part THC is great or an 18 to one, 18 parts CBD to one part THC. Um, They give that to pets, which we'll talk in another episode. Um, As long as that THC is very, very low, Mm -hmm. it isn't necessarily unsafe, but a lot of people don't know that they give their pets THC and that's a whole nother topic that (laughs) I know you don't want me to go into. (laughs) I mean, I can talk about animals all day. (laughs) We love our animals, don't we? Love them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And so basically just proceed with caution, even if people, and I'm guilty of this because I have a very high tolerance and CBD, I I can take 4,000 milligrams of it. It doesn't affect me. Um, and I have. <laughs> so I tend to be the person that's like, oh, you'll be fine. Just just try it. Just try it. And I'm the bad influence is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I'm that person that will be like, just try it. But you you really should stick with your guns and, and do what's comfortable for you. And I understand that there are a lot of people that are skeptical for a wide variety of reasons. And it's understandable. So just, you know, try to start start low. You say start low and go slow. So I always mess that up. Why can't I say that? Because you're always like start slow and go low. Because <laughs> to you, it's like going low. That just seems way too slow for me. And I don't know. <laughs> start low and then go slow. Right. Start low, go slow. Right. Did I say that right again? Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So um, I think C- overall, though, CBD is an excellent tool and um, and a great way to feel better in the in, in the wellness department you know i think that cbd is just amazing uh, it can do so many things and the benefits definitely outweigh any of the negatives in my opinion um so i oh yeah no. i recommend yeah. it for everybody um i mean i give it to my animals i give it to my family members i give it to my friends it's like i am a huge uh proponent of cbd and yeah, CBD is great for pain. If you have a dog that has arthritis and is not on any other meds, give your dog CBD. And again, with with animals, we'll talk about this more about dosing. But again, go start low, go slow. You'll notice if they're feeling um, better because if you start with five milligrams for a fifty pound dog, mm-hmm. that's a little bit low. Um, but just you know, give it to them in an oil tincture, obviously, mm-hmm. and then wait an hour, see if they're still in pain, and then just slowly every hour increase it by five milligrams until you find that dose. The great thing about CBD is that we haven't mentioned, you will not build a tolerance to CBD. You will build a tolerance to THC. CBD, you will not build a tolerance. So let's say my dose is 25 milligrams. If I want to sleep at night, 25 milligrams. If I'm in pain, if I hurt myself, 25 milligrams. I will never get over 25 milligrams. I'm never going to build a tolerance to that. Mm-hmm. And and that's the beauty of CBD, I think. It's that you're never going to have that fear of, well, I'm in a lot of pain and I'm taking CBD to manage it. What's going to happen when I, you know, when I start to feel pain again? You won't. You won't ever uh, build a tolerance to that, which is amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um definitely do your research and just try to, you know, proceed with caution, just like with everything, but um, definitely check it out if you haven't already. And if you're afraid to even start with anything in, in this space, I would say start with CBD, you know, just try it out and see how it goes. Dilute it if you have to, you know, whatever your tolerance level is normally, just, just you know, try to adjust accordingly um, and go from there. So... Anyway, we have some really great interviews also in this episode we should probably mention before we go. Yeah, I'm excited for your interviews. Yeah, we have Aliza Sherman, one of the founders of Elementa, and she has a lot of great things to talk about um, as far as why Elementa came into uh, how it was created and, and why it was created. And uh, we also talked to Victoria Harris. Ah, uh, girl, Victoria. I love Victoria. She is so much fun. Yes. And she has love, love, so love much Victoria. information 
information about what's going on in the D.C. cannabis space, um, Washington, D.C. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of weird uh, laws and things that are, are uh, constricting people in D.C. And she talks about that a bit. So that's a very interesting interview. Yeah, that's it. Tough place to be in right now, DC. And I know that, man, she's been in it for the hall. Like the last two years, that girl has just she been really has. doing her best mm-hmm. to to make changes for the positive. Absolutely. I will say about Eliza and Elementa, I just went to one of their events I mentioned earlier um, last week, and they do a really good women in cannabis events. So if, and they do have a lot of different chapters. So do look for a chapter in your era, area. God, can I talk? Uh, so that's Elementa. How do you, how do you spell it? I always spell it wrong. It's E-L-L-E-M-E-N-T-A. That's right. I always want to put Ella, like, cause that's how they say it, but that's not how they spell it. No. <laughs> no. Okay. Anyway, I, I think I think we're wrapping yeah. up. <laughs> uh, I am involved with Elementa as well as an organizer, even though I don't have my first event completely figured out yet so should probably put that in there just as a disclosure <laughs> yes yeah that's a disclosure but you're not getting paid let's let's say that you are not getting paid <laughs> well, we'll see um. <laughs> not yet not yet yeah uh, <laughs> no we don't get paid to plug any right, of these right. uh, you know when we when we plug when we plug products when we plug people when we plug organizations this is all just us finding something we love and sharing it with all of you. We do not get paid for any mm-hmm. of this. Absolutely. So just want to make that if disclosure. If you'd like to pay us, we're, we're open to that. <laughs> <laughs> we are so open to <laughs> But also, if you have a product and you'd like for us to review it, um, do visit us on our uh, Your Highness podcast and um, and email us. It's, uh, I can't even remember Your what Highness our email podcast. address is. Can you yeah. share our email address? <laughs> Your Highness podcast at gmail.com. So it's just the title of the podcast. And there you go. So email us and then we will, uh, yeah, email us your name and what your, um, what your product is. And for someone like Diana, she can't review um, a THC. Well, actually we can't review any THC products unless they're out um, of Oregon. Or unless we go somewhere and visit. So, you know, do tell us where you are because we do go, we do travel, we do visit um, different states. And so please let us know if you do have a product because I know we've, and we've reviewed a lot of mm-hmm. really great products yeah. on this show. And, we, and we're looking to always inter, uh, Absolutely. To review Absolutely. Just be in touch with us. I mean, I'm sure there's a way we can figure out how to connect, how, how, how to, you yeah. know boost your signal so to speak (laughs) for lack of a better way (laughs) but anyway so that's pretty much it for this uh this episode thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for these amazing interviews yeah really excited for that and um as always take the high road when you can that's right and it's not always easy but until next time see you later bye-bye bye do you want to have cannabis work for you on a new level What if you could get high before you even smoked just by the power of sound frequencies? Roll a joint and cuddle up in the tub because Real Housewives get stoned. Visit thestonedhousewife.net, the first cannabis and metaphysical event and lifestyle blog. Follow at Maggie Mae Wilson and email for private sessions. That's at Maggie Mae Wilson, and you can find her on thestonedhousewife.net. Our first guest is Aliza Sherman. Aliza Sherman is a web pioneer who got into the cannabis industry two years ago and is now the CEO of Elementa, a global network for women interested in cannabis wellness. She is also the publisher of HerCannaLife.com, featuring women in the cannabis industry. She has published 11 books, and her 12th book will be about cannabis and CBD. So, Aliza, what inspired the creation of Elementa, and what is it? So Elementa is an international network and resource for women who are interested in learning more about cannabis and CBD, specifically for health and wellness. So the inspiration for creating Elementa really comes full circle from something I did back in the 1990s. And I don't know if you know any of my history, but Mm -hmm. I started the first woman-owned internet company called CyberGirl. And in looking for other women who knew about the internet at that stage, and back in the early 90s, women made up 
like 10% of the internet population. Wow. So I was trying, yeah, exactly. I was trying to find women who knew what the internet was and were interested in learning more about it. So I got some women together in New York City just to talk about the internet. And there were about six women who showed up at an internet cafe. And I wrote about it online. And all of these women from around the world who read about this first meeting asked if they could start their own web girls chapter. And it grew to a hundred cities around the world and 30,000 women participating just to talk about the internet with other women. Mm-hmm. So that kind of brings me to the last few years as I was learning more about cannabis and CBD for health and wellness, I kept thinking, gosh, we need a forum. I firmly believe that when women are teaching women about a complex topic, we tend to go for the things that are more relevant to our lives and that women and men tend to approach things like technology or like cannabis in slightly different ways. I mean, not to generalize, mm-hmm. but I do find that when I'm in a meeting that's mixed, men and women, certain topics bubble to the surface. But when you're together with women, you can talk more intimately mm-hmm. about everything from caregiving for your dying parent to sex and sex issues because of menopause. Those mm-hmm. are the kinds of things that don't come up in mixed crowds. Absolutely. <laughs> so. Yeah, so Elementa is meant to create these welcoming spaces where women experts and women representatives from cannabis and CBD brands can be in the same room with women who are curious or researching or want to just simply learn more about the health and wellness benefits. Mm And, and you basically just touched on this, but your background as a pioneer in the technology space, um, how would you say it shaped your career in cannabis? Well, I think that when it comes to technology and the internet, and then if you look at cannabis and CBD, they are many things. They are complex. There's a certain science behind them that is not always understood by the lay person. They are useful in ways that we have yet to fully understand and explore. So back in the 90s, when the web was just becoming available to the public, nobody really knew what to do with it. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of sort of hype and a lot of sensationalism and then a lot of horror stories about internet addiction will ruin our lives and things that back then we kind of laughed at. And yet today we've learned so much more because we've really incorporated the internet into our lives. So look at cannabis now, super complicated, political, very complex in terms of even how you can access it Mm -hmm. and very complex in terms of how you can use it. So super confusing as well. So there's so many parallels that, between that is what really happened in the tech industry. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Well, I didn't even think about it that way until you just brought that up. That is pretty incredible uh, to think about, like how much we use the internet now. And hopefully that happens mm-hmm. with cannabis in the future. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, our goal for Elementa is that cannabis will be so normal that it will literally be in all of our medicine chests like it used to be in the 1800s, mm-hmm. early 1900s, before it was kind of banned and abolished. Mm-hmm. Uh, erroneously, of course. Right, no, yes. <laughs> yeah, you know, History-wise proved that it was done for all the wrong reasons, and right. it shouldn't have been done in the first place. No. But, if, yeah, if you look at it, and that's, and that's the interesting thing. I was using the Internet in 1987, and learned about the web in 1994, which was just a year or so after it was uh, literally invented. Mm-hmm. And I'd seen the industry evolve from the tech industry, the internet industry, from the very early days. And that's kind of where we are now with cannabis. So I've had this interesting vantage point from from that early, early stage where it's, you know, 
the early adopters who are really out on the fringe, and then it becomes a little more mainstream, and then it becomes something that is a household name and something we just can't do without. So it's it's so fascinating to be in this place right now in the industry, the cannabis industry, to see where things are going. Because honestly, if you look at the internet, you can predict where things are going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really interesting. And another part of what you do um, with through Elementa is her Canna Life. Um, do you want to talk about mm-hmm. that for a bit? How, why did you start her Canna Life? Yes. So I learned about the cannabis industry as I was doing some future trend reporting for a client of mine and noticed, again, those parallels between the tech industry and cannabis. And in learning more about the industry, I wanted to ask questions. And so I identified women in the cannabis industry, contacted them and said, can I interview you? Mm -hmm. And everyone has been so open and receptive. So as I began interviewing women in the industry, I said, well, I better publish this online because so many people can benefit from this wisdom and this, these experiences and these personal stories. So my goal wasn't talking about their career path as much as it was talking about their cannabis path mm-hmm. personally and professionally. So that became a website called Her Canna Life, mm-hmm. uh, com. And in doing that, with all the other things I was learning, that's when I began to realize we need a forum, a place for women to meet in person to talk about this stuff, that 90% of the women out there couldn't care less about a career in cannabis or even starting a business in cannabis. They just want to feel better. They Mm -hmm. just want to help their dying parent. They just want to help their child with epilepsy. They just want to know how can this improve mm-hmm. my quality of life and the quality of life of my loved ones. So that's where her kind of life kind of morphed into uh, a bigger picture where Elementa became that component, that in-person component, as well as online community. That's amazing. And I think it's an amazing resource for anyone who, who wants to find out more information about this industry and why people get into it. Um, so, What is your favorite part of your work? So my work is incredibly varied. And I've got that personality. I think they call it type A (laughs) or type type AAA. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Where I have to constantly be doing, I'm constantly seeing new things to do. I'm getting tons of things done. So my favorite part of working in the cannabis industry and running a startup cannabis company is the varied needs and projects and possibilities. I just love creating. Mm -hmm. I love building community. I love making content that helps people. Um, When I was in grade school and we were supposed to do a project Know, what do you want to be when you grow up? I wrote, I want to be a writer to touch people's lives. Mm-hmm. And I feel like having Elementa, having her camel life as outlets, I can help bring the right information together, particularly for women. I mean, we make so many of the major healthcare decisions and purchases in every household. And so by empowering women with better information about cannabis and CBD, we're not just helping women, we're helping their families and their circle of friends and their communities. Mm-hmm. So I, I really feel that doing good work is not just fulfilling, it's sort of an imperative, having a mission that helps people and yet still having a growing, successful, and profitable company. I think those things go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and how can a woman bring Elementa to her city? Well, we couldn't do this. We couldn't have Elementa without the amazing leaders in the various cities. And Mm -hmm. so 
we partner with local women and split revenues with them. So we can bring these in-person monthly gatherings to these local communities. All a woman has to do if she sees that there isn't a gathering happening in her city is get in touch with us. So if they went to the Elementa website, um, elementa.com slash gatherings, they could see the list of over 30 cities where we are represented. Mm-hmm. And if they don't see their city, they can just contact us through our website, let us know what city they're in and that they're interested. And we have an interview process. So they apply, we interview. If they're approved, then we kind of put them through uh, a bit of training and then they pick the dates, the venue, the topic, and they're off. So it's, it's a wonderful process and it's amazing to see women coming together and how empowering it is for each woman who is leading her own gathering. It's not just empowering for the women who attend, it's empowering for the women who run it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, do you have any advice for women entering this industry for the first time? I do. I think any woman who wants to enter the cannabis industry should do an inventory of her skills, her knowledge, her ability, and for ways to apply those to the industry. Because the cannabis industry is still emerging, it's still uh, shaping, and women can be instrumental in helping to shape it and bring their talents to this industry to help make it more professional and more effective and more efficient. So when you think about how cannabis has been legalizing state by state, there's a bit of a patchwork quilt sort of environment. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the people getting involved came not from business, not from a professional setting, but from an underground market. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some people would say the black market or the gray market. Mm -hmm. So if you're an accountant, if you're in insurance, if you are a gardener, if you, I mean, just start to think of all the pieces that we need in the cannabis industry. If you've got talents and skills in another industry, it could translate into cannabis. And so many of these companies are willing to train you on the cannabis front. Mm-hmm. They need someone who, who can crunch the numbers. They need someone who could trim the plant. You know, so whatever you're able to do today could easily be translated over into this industry and be very valued as well. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any specific calls to action or anything to promote? I know there's a lot coming up with Elementa in the future, in the near future. So, um, there's, uh, I would say one major call to action is if you're a woman seeking better information about cannabis and CBD, specifically for health and wellness, how to incorporate it into your health regimen, how to help incorporate it into your fitness routine, how to incorporate it into just your overall well-being, uh, not to mention your families. Look up Elementa in your city. If you don't find it, get in touch. We have online forums for women who don't have a place to meet yet. Mm-hmm. And through those, we can figure out who would like to organize them. And I think more than anything, if, if you know someone else who's in need of information, please refer them to us as well. Because I think even a woman who is pretty well-versed in cannabis probably knows a lot of women who aren't. Mm-hmm. And there's, probably, there's still fear. There's still trepidation. There's mm-hmm. still the stigma. And our goal is to make Elementa the first brand women think of when they think of cannabis or CBD. It's their entry point. It's their educational piece. It's their empowering, supportive group that leads them to the right products, the right services, and also to the right path because it's so individual and it can be very confusing. So if we can shed light on the topic of cannabis, 
for women out there, all we really ask is get in touch. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate everything that you're doing and and for providing such an invaluable resource. Um, Thank you so much for spending your time with us today. Thank you. It's been really great. I, I appreciate these opportunities. You know, we we really feel that the more women talk about cannabis openly without shame and without fear, the better we'll all be. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Aliza. Our next guest today is Victoria Harris. Victoria Harris is the co-owner of DC Taste Buds, one of the first enhanced edible companies founded in the District of Columbia. DC Taste Buds combines culinary and cannabis and features edibles crafted by chefs and growers. So, Vic, what inspired the creation of DC Taste Buds? Uh, the long answer or the short answer? <laughs> Whichever you want to give. <laughs> um, hold on one second. Um, so I was in an incubator that I helped, um, you know, do, I, I work with pretty much exclusively startups Mm -hmm. directly with business owners. I was helping an incubator launch, um, an incubator, basically the shared kitchen space, like a 10,000 square foot facility. You know, we had started with like five members and, you know, by the time I left, we got up to 40, but I noticed that in that time, you know, like my, um, my members were just like sliding me like, you know, uh, freeze dried or like vacuum sealed packages. Like I noticed that culinary people were already, um, you know, playing around with cannabis. Uh, coincidentally, I was also helping someone, you know, with the concept uh, for nonprofit mm-hmm. and a lot of cannabis companies started coming to the space looking for either event space um, or looking for kitchen space because they they couldn't find the resources that were can of friendly in DC. So, you know, East Coast Grow is a production company. They need to set up they wanted to film their their episode mm-hmm. um in our in our space. I let them turn the whole thing into a fake grow house. Um, you know, I met a lot of my first women grow friends. They just came to check out the space and then long story short, um a person that I was helping with um, developing their nonprofit pretty much like laughed when I said I'm not helping any like I'm not helping to build any other brand for like a white man without equity mm-hmm. and uh, he kind of like laughed like oh well you know gentleman's agreement that you know you could have first rights to purchase and he kind of laughed and said well we can just you know sh- uh, share like we could just share equity in each other's companies if you ever decide to open one and I kind of took that like like, are you saying I I won't do it? Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I called my business partner Anna, and I called my uh, my business partner Warren that week. We had one meeting, and we we purchased the uh, our trademarks. And I say, Wow, that's awesome. Um, yeah, that was two and a half years ago. <laughs> and so, what what has um, DC Taste Buds so become now? now? So basically, I the the only reason I we had the idea to do this is because we realized that there was a fresh juice being sold, mm-hmm. um, and I, you know, culinary, you know, standpoint, I was like, well, I know good and damn well that they're not cold pressing juice there, so they must be white labeling it. So they're taking food from somewhere else, so that means there is a means to make edibles. Um, and then we kind of announced that we were going to have an edible company prior to knowing if it was actually possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just like a kind of, well, in theory, it should work. Um, we are, cannabis is uh, very, very complementary to, you know, uh, culinary arts in terms of like the culture, the kind of outlier, mm-hmm. um, like you know, reputation, the um, the just demanding, um, really like aggressive industries, um, but also just from a science perspective and from a, like a medicinal perspective and also just for, as a creative, um, I compare like this cannabis, you know, revolution to like the, you know, just like the first time someone planted grapes, like in Napa, right? Mm-hmm. Um, cause there's just no information. It's a brand new space. At the end of the day, I didn't understand why there were so few culinary people involved in making edibles. And at the end of the day, while it does have medicinal property, while it is kind of expensive, 
it's an ingredient in the recipe that, mm-hmm. you know, needs to interplay with the other ingredients. And um, the focus is all about how high people can get, not like if the edibles actually taste good. Um, and so what the situation turned out is, you know, there are a lot of cannabis culinary companies that are interested in the cannabis space that if, had, if they were not tied to their investors, you know, and in, in their brick and mortar um, in D.C., then they would be in the industry themselves. But uh, because federal, you know, law is what it is and people have investors to answer to, um, we were in a unique situation where the three of us were individually operated and owned. And so, like, you know, we went into it considering the gray area, like we could do this gifting thing. But in reality, my business partner, Warren, has, is probably one of the one of the very few still uh, prominent black chefs in D.C. Um, you know, it's been on TV and Oprah, very, very well known, very high. Hi, uh, what's the word? Profile. <laughs> or visibility. Um, and then, yeah. Right. And then, and, uh, you know, also they've, like, been part of their parents with kids and have, uh, Warren is selling his the cakes in a jar now, you know, like millions across the country on airlines um, and Walmart everywhere. And my business partner, Anna, has, five, I don't know, five different businesses now, but she's also like a cancer patient with kids. And my mom is DEA, retired DEA. And so, um, those like variables in addition to the high visibility of our brand and us wanting to kind of set the bar for like what the standard can be for like a, um, a standalone edible brand born and raised like, you know, in the district, uh, because DC is the only place south of Mass that is allowed to produce edibles on the East Coast. So we wanted to do it the right way, and we also realized, like, the learning curve for cannabis is crazy. Like, we thought we would just jump into it and just, like, be able to figure it out, but it is it is as much information as, as about food. Like, I'm culinary arts, but I'm not a sommelier, right, right. or I'm not a baker. Um, and the same goes with cannabis. Like, that's, it would, it, the, we would not be able to produce edibles of the caliber we wanted to produce if we wouldn't, thinking we could just figure out the plan ourselves and not want to work with someone that like hey this is your lane this is my lane let's just you know not reinvent the wheel and do this shit together to produce the best quality product um we assume it's gonna be very easy but people are greedy and it right. took you know two years for us to pretty much find someone there are only four five people in the city we could have potentially worked with oh man um four and a half really um to have kitchens <laughs> there's only you know five there's only five operating cultivators and so it took two years to have you know these conversations and only as of like very recently are we like fast tracking to build up this kitchen with our partner, but um, we haven't even gone public with that yet. So long story, it's been a dynamic journey for the first like dozen people to open food trucks in DC in 2010, mm-hmm. where we also didn't have regulations. It was also just a complete mess, and we had to battle the National Restaurant Association. And you know, I know. DC's small like government offices like the back of my hand at this point I know game so you know didn't think it was going to take this long mm-hmm. um, but this is this is a cannabis space it's a misnomer to think you can get in this industry and just like because you have a lot of money or because you have like a brand or because you're good at this like it doesn't matter you you there you'll have to wait <laughs> right right waiting is part of the like. It doesn't matter. You know, we are fortunate that, you know, we have, we got like a jump, like a good jump start because a lot, we got a lot of press and. And you have a big culmination of different parts of the industry, which is really neat. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, the team was assembled on purpose, you know, like Anna and I are culinary backgrounds. Mm -hmm. We should not be trusted with recipe. With recipe, you know, like right. scaling, uh, and and Warren is a baker, and you know, incredibly precise, and can to the you know to the millimeter, you know, like tell make these standard operating procedures like as efficient as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is, Warren was originally a lawyer prior to loving to bake. Um, and so that's what got him, like, his, you know, him on Oprah and on the Food Network, et cetera, et cetera. Um, he's the reason, like, DC 
like cupcakes in DC were a thing. Wow. Um, and so he re he pivoted to a distribution model because the storefront, the storefront model for cupcakes just does not work. Right. And um, you know he's still in existence and probably doing better than most of the other cupcake owners um, if if they still have storefronts. And Anna's background, she was a, uh, she's an economist. She did economics for the World Bank. So she makes sure the money is right. <laughs> and um, I am like a, you know, I'm used to being like the face and the brand ambassador. And I make sure that my brand, her brand, Warren's brand, and the three of our brands are, our narrative is represented correctly. And you know, so no one talks to the press um, unless I'm involved. Right. <laughs> and I handle, I handle our client-facing, like, customer relationship. That's awesome. Management, anything with the public. Um, that sounds like a really good team. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. So, like, you know, we just, we just, we just seem good business. Like, this makes yeah. sense. Um, That's awesome. And so, yeah, now, now we'll steam ahead. Awesome. Um, so, you already basically answered how you came to a career in this space. So I'm just going to skip over to the next question. Um, what are the biggest... Yeah, I would not plan to be an accident. Never planned it. I, you asked me five years ago, I would have laughed in your face. <laughs> what are no some of the biggest challenges of being in this space in D.C.? Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. Um, in D.C. specifically or cannabis? I would say... Both, because I know that DC is very unique. Um, if you if you can, it's yeah. if, it's up to you. Oh, whichever. I can. I, I can. I'm very. You know, the market leader for women grow DC, mm-hmm. and I I work. You know, I I spend a few days a month on the hill, and I also represent Depot Labs. They're the testing company for medical um, marijuana, mm-hmm. and I do like uh you know a lot of so culinary educate classes educate so my hands are like a thousand different pots Uh um because dc's cannabis scene is pretty segregated in that like the growers stick with the growers so the you know the extractors the processors you know they have everyone has like a different vibe Mm -hmm. um and you know it is a cutthroat industry and dc is very like type a Mm -hmm. um and competitive and so they're and the city, you know, is small, but the city also is unique in that, you know, if it were given its due, pro- if it was given its statehood as it deserves, you know, it would be the most predominantly black state in the country that has decriminalized cannabis. Um, and there is an opportunity for real social good, but the, uh, the local politics have kind of made, you know, you can do everything besides sell it mm-hmm. um but but yet they just opened up the the medical market to the country as of april 9th any any medical marijuana card from the 29 states will be accepted in dc dc only has five dispensaries with the the medical marijuana patient base jumped up 40 percent last year and it's still less than 10,000. maryland alone has 40,000. and so can you wow. imagine what the situation is going to be <laughs> like yeah. when the when the plant limit for the growers is a thousand. Yeah. Um, so it's it's complicated because, you know, like when I'm D C is not a state and so whenever anyone is talking about these state rights or these, you know, XYZ, it's like it DC doesn't has apply. Right. It doesn't apply. And there also are no answers and because the medical marijuana industry is just like Fall deep and just trying to navigate, you know, sessions feels one way one day. Right. Or like DC decides to, you know what? Reciprocity is a thing now, even though this was decided a year and a half ago mm-hmm. and no one had any notice. Um, or just start cracking down on places that sell edibles and concentrates when they've been fine. You know, it's, it, the city can't spend any money to enforce these laws, but they're, the, it, DC thought they were getting their feet wet, but people are trying to go swimming. Like it, it it's not, it, it's not like a little like sample city. It's surrounded by, from a population density standpoint, this is a bigger market than the West Coast. Mm-hmm. If you have, you know, um, you have 20 million tourists and New York, Philadelphia, New Jersey, 
Pennsylvania are all within an hour and a half train ride to D.C. Um, <laughs> and they can purchase medical marijuana now. Right. It, it, it makes it makes the city really and half of the city you can't consume because it's federal property. And that goes for housing as well for all the low for all the like poor communities of color. Mm-hmm. They cannot smoke in their federally funded housing uh, because it's still, you know, considered schedule one. Like we can't, just, we're kind of just stuck in a like, we're stuck in like a vacuum, right? Um, and you know, something's going to happen soon, probably the next month or so, um, because it's not sustainable with no policy and you Something know has no to like, happen. Real solution. <laughs> but on on the flip side of that, I will say that DC is putting out probably some of the nation's most um, sort of like uh, and um, uh, influential leaders in the cannabis space. Uh, I mean, these are where the laws are made. Um, Absolutely. You know, Shonda, Shonda Macias now is the chairwoman of Women Grow. Um, uh, DC is, can, you know, we're close to all the eastern cities and we're the only ones that are open right now, like full, mm-hmm. fully fledged. Um, and they're putting out like, a lot of leaders of so this. This is that's the vibe of the city. The National Cannabis Fest is a massive production. Now there's a whole policy summit. You know, like everything is expanding rapidly in DC. Um, and so it's it's easy to be a big fish in a small. It's easier to be a big fish in a smaller pond. Mm-hmm. And you have access to state. Like I, you know, obviously I've started dipping my toes in PA, right? New yeah. Jersey, Louisiana coming online you're pretty close to states that are on the cusp of I sense, sorry I sense, yeah. um, you're, you're pretty close to states that are on the cusp of being an open and you know you can create a small brand and be able to capitalize on that quickly um, mm-hmm. because the east coast is not incredibly receptive to west coast companies coming in here right uh, what is your favorite aspect of your work um I, I honestly, I, I swear, I swore I was never doing another fuck, another startup. I promised myself I wasn't <laughs> going to do it. Um, you know, I probably touched like 300 culinary startups. But in the cannabis space, whereas, you know, the initial reason of us getting into it was never about the money. It was more about, like, why is anybody doing this? Right. And, you know, we could do it better than anybody else can right now because people, if you're hiring a $12 an hour, like, culinary grad so they can't make 15,000, right. um, you know, to scale consistently and, you know, um, using like the, the creme de la creme of, of, of standard operating procedures. Um, so it, it, it just made, it just kind of just made sense. Um, the money was never a thing. And at this point, you know, sticking into it, sticking with it as long as we have, because um it reminds me a lot of food in that it's a whole new space where like you can make up your own rules mm-hmm. and I, like I'm doing, I am creating business. Like my business model does not exist anywhere else that I know of yeah. <laughs> because DC doesn't have a processing license. <laughs> so I am like, you know, circumventing, figuring out how to do things within the legal frameworks I've been given, which ain't a lot. Um, right. And but you can be truly creative in a way like it's hard to do something new in food. Mm-hmm. And this is just wide open. I mean, like there is just, it is wide open. Um, and people are doing really dynamic dope stuff in the startup culture. In Especially in DC. Yeah. I was going to say, I think. Oh my God. DC is so about local and yeah. so supportive of local and, you know, like kick ass events and collaborations and art and creatives and like, um, it's a, it's a great city if once you get to know the different like sections of the cannabis space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I, the restrictions help I'm doing, people like, so much. Well, not help people. I, think, I, I was going to say, I think the unique restrictions and everything that's going on is actually well, it like a challenge. Trucks. Yeah. Yeah. It right. reminds me of food trucks. You know, they, they, the, I, I was part of the Save DC food truck campaign. I was myself and a couple other, you know, people that like push that narrative because mm-hmm. it, at the end of the day it's about whose narrative is being told and you know like how are people being educated because people didn't 
people thought food trucks were roach coaches. They did. They thought it was easy money. But and when they met the owners, when when the narr- when we got control of the narrative, we were able to really talk to the city. Um, you know, we were able to you know defeat the National Restaurant Association's regu- like regulations wow. because the city does support small businesses because it is really really expensive to live here and mm-hmm. people like work insane hours and a lot of what they do is a passion project they're not getting paid for it it's because fucking it's just cool to do yeah um so you're i'm seeing some of the like i'm working on some of the most like innovative like cool projects right now i can't even talk about um but they're you know dc is approaching i think like the beginning of, of like hyper growth you know mm-hmm. it is about to it's it's been to blow up <laughs> very yeah. very soon it's exciting and yeah, and you know, so it feels, and I've gotten to help, you know, I, I've gotten to use my skill sets. Like it, it's been a very natural transition. Mm-hmm. I will say that working in cannabis and culinary arts, like, is aggressive as hell. I still work in both spaces, and I still consult. Um, and you know, like, if they're aggressive industries, that my hours are all over the place. Um, but it's passion for you. Like you don't, you can't, you can't last. If you, if you don't really want it, you won't make it. Like yeah. most people will go, you know, six to 10 steps or something. One of my cultivator friends said this to me, well, people go six to 10 steps, you know, maybe another 15% will go like, you know, it's like the step eight, but it's like those last two steps. So those will take the year and a half. Mm-hmm. And it's that, it's that, that will break you. Right. Yeah. And, and, or discourage you so you just have to you know just Absolutely. it's always been ahead. like well in theory that's going to work like I mean I've been saying I'm making edibles for two years so not long now that and I've gotten involved in different cannabis spaces and kept it's you know it's, it's social equity it's, mm-hmm. it's building your social equity your social capital and doing good by people and doing good business and I've gotten a lot of good experience in DC's small business, restaurants, brick and mortar, pop-up, food trucks, like any kind of concept. I've gotten a lot of experience that people, just because they weren't born in this doesn't mean that they aren't professionals. And D.C. knows a lot about weed. <laughs> they know how to grow it. They, they like, are serious about it. Um, they, uh, like, the city loves its cannabis. Um, and I think it needs to just accept that this is, Going to be a happening. thing here, and it's not, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. So, and I'm I'm excited because like it's a black city, and I yeah. really feel strongly that, um, you know, because my mother is like I said, retired DEA. My brother is a Marine. I'm probably the only person in my family without a criminal justice degree. Um, and not that my mom ever actually asked. I said, Mom, don't I'll just come out six years later, like you arresting all these little black kids for weed. Like, no, like, she's only, like, dealt with, like, heroin, heroin feeling, um, <laughs> something like that. But, like, it, uh, you could really do, like, you could give people of color, like, generational financial stability, and and, and it, the industry was absolutely built on the backs of people of color, and Absolutely. they have been disenfranchised and kind of stuck with the stigma and now are left out, or less than 1% of, you know, owners, but... Um, it is rapidly changing and, um, diversity, like DC for the cannabis scene is incredibly diverse, mm-hmm. incredibly diverse and supportive of each other. And as a woman, it is, it, it is mind blowing to see how, like, <laughs> how badass all the women in DC are. It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> women in DC are like the, the DMV in New York. I mean, mm-hmm. like, it, like, East Coast is like crushing I'm, I'm like super excited to be part of it. Yes. It's, it's definitely an exciting time. And I think DC is definitely poised to, to make some major changes in the industry. Um, if... Oh, no, we will. <laughs> <laughs> I don't doubt it. Um, do you have anything coming up with DC uh, Women Grow yes. Chapter? Yes. So I have a, all right, what's the date? All right. There is an event on my event on the 12th, which is going to be all about reciprocity and how local policies and federal like regulations clash and either create opportunities for ancillary businesses or, you know, like prevent others, pre- prevent, you know, access to medicine for people, just how it affects 
anyone in the cannabis community in D.C. what reciprocity really means. Mm-hmm. Um, that is on the 12th at uh, Tastemakers D.C., which is where I'm at now. Uh, so next Thursday, there is an event in Baltimore on the 19th featuring um, uh, Jane West. Mm-hmm. That's Women Grow MD. Uh, National Cannabis uh, Policy Day is the 19th as well. No, I'm sorry, that's the 20th. And uh, 421 is National Cannabis Fest. There's a myriad of a National Cannabis a, a National Cannabis Fest events this week. And I also have a cooking class at National Holistic Healing Center, um, the not this Sunday, but the next Sunday. And where would people go to find out about your DC Women Grow events? Um, they can go to our Women Grow page. Um, they can go to the national website. The event will go live today for the DC chapter. Um, the MD chapter is already up. We also have the Facebook pages. You can go on Facebook and type in Women Grow DC or Women Grow DMV. Um, you'll be able to like the page and request to join the group, or you can just email me at dc at womengrow.com. Do you have anything else to promote or any calls to action? Uh, yeah, a lot. It's probably easier if I just send you an email. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, definitely, if you want to include anything that we'll put in the recap, you know, any links to anything, I'll definitely do that. But if you have anything that yeah. you, of urgency that is coming up, I mean, I know you just mentioned a bunch of things, but... Um, yeah, well, ahead. I think people just really need to like the reciprocity event is going to be important because I compared to Mission of 71, I can't think of another like policy that's been implemented that is going to have the like amount of like rippling effects on every single person in the cannabis community. Honestly, in the DMV, if it affects DC, it affects Virginia, it affects Maryland. Mm-hmm. What does that mean for Maryland's patient base? What does that mean for Virginia who just started accepting concentrates? What does that mean for PA, who their dispensaries go live this month as well, but they have six offerings compared to National Holistic, I don't know, 150, you know, like Mm -hmm. there are a lot of things changing. And also, you know, it is a time to expand for a lot of people's businesses or it's it's time to pivot and really see what you can get involved in in an advocacy level in D.C. because this is where shit's done. Um, and there's a lot of room to make waves if you're willing to do the work and telling the city's narrative, but the reciprocity thing is, is, is going to be a really big deal. I I mean, it is, there are like DC less than 10,000 and just one state has four times the amount that we do in Maryland is a hot ass mess. Um, and (laughs) people are going to not be able to get their medicine. Um, and it's, you know, it's important. Um, is it going so yeah. to be online after or is it, does it have to yes, be caught I'm finishing the write. I'm, 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 I'm drafting the, the, uh, the write up as we speak. Um, that's why I, have, I left this meeting to go mm-hmm. take this call. So I'm drafting the write up. I'll send it to you as soon as it's complete. Mm-hmm. Um, there'll be a formal press release sent out on Monday. Um, but it's actually a tastemakers with the incubator down the street from the one I launched. Um, and they aren't even actually open for business yet. They open on the 18th. Mm. Um, so it's going to be really dope. I have like a drone videographer, a lot of photography vendors. Um, you get to learn a lot of information. And the people that are on the panel are damn near impossible to get in one room together. Like it, it is like a Christmas miracle. Oh, wow. Um, that they all, I mean, Shonda Matias alone is just mm-hmm. hard lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I thank you for taking your time with us today, and I, I welcome you to come back anytime to talk, because I know you have so many things going on, so whenever you would like to come back on and talk about those projects, please feel free, because oh, it was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Your Highness Podcast. If you would like to be featured in a future episode, or would like to inquire about possible sponsorship, email Podcast at gmail.com. That's your highness podcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at highness podcast. That's at highness podcast. Thanks again.